Okay, we are doing uh, testing the saint and control of the mind, chapter 49 from Sri Sai Satcharit. We had stopped at uh, verse number 30, but I will go back to 28 and start because that is where this whole thing begins. Now pick up the threads from the previous story, a promise has been made to the listeners in the last chapter that I will narrate the story of a devotee who was fond of miracles. Himself not being interested in any material or spiritual desires and having no awareness of the saint's spiritual powers, he distrusts the description given by anyone else. When friends related stories of Sai, he listened but with a view to find fault. Unless supported by direct self-experience, he would not accept anything in the world. This is normally the case with skeptical people who normally... See, faith is not something that you can go and buy in the marketplace. And faith is something that cannot happen by force. Nobody can become, you know, uh, full of faith by force. You cannot uh, force anybody also. But what happens is, faith is automatic. It comes on its own. So when faith comes on its own, what happens is, it is... It has to be retained. Retention is very, very important. Otherwise, what happens is when the faith is dwindling, it keeps on coming down. There is no point in continuing with it because it is not a yo-yo type of a thing. It's a it's a permanency. It's something that you need to believe in. And faith in the divine is a permanent issue. It is nothing to do with a temporary issue. It's only when we have the material beings in this world like say for example you will find that uh, there is a very beautiful story which is uh, you know the father and the son now the father and the son fa- the son uh, when he was very small used to take care of the child and he used to drop him to school bring him do all sorts of things play with him so on and so forth every time when the child was uh, when he used to go for play in the playground Normally, you know, the child is always on the swing. You know how fathers stand behind the child and they swing the child. You must have seen that. So, whenever the swing was swung very fast, the child could could fall. So, the father was always very careful and caught the child if there was any problem. As the child grows up into a young man, it so happens that he says that, Dad, I want to come in the business with you because the father is a businessman. At that point in time, the father says to the child, that, that son of his, that the first rule of business is don't trust anyone. So he says, fine, I will, I will remember this rule. And then what happens is, one day the father takes him, takes the son out to some place. And while the son is on top, and the father is down below the the father tells the son now jump from there i will catch you and when the son jumps from top the father removes his hand from there and the son falls flat on his face so the son asks the father what is this i mean why did you remove your hand and why did you allow me to fall he says i told you the first rule in business is don't trust anyone So only in the material world that we come across this kind of rules. But in the spiritual world, these rules are not valid. Okay? 
even when you are going traversing on the path the faith has to be very very important there is again a very beautiful story where you will find that there are two two people one of them is a skeptic uh, you will have to cut your volume raj so one of them is muted one of them is a skeptic he is an atheist he doesn't believe in god and there is another person who is a very firm believer in god he is having 100% faith so while they were going on the beach suddenly they find two footsteps two set of footsteps going in one direction and they come to a point where the two footsteps then become only one pair of footsteps the two pair become one pair of footsteps so the one who is the non believer says looking at the footsteps he wants to make fun of this person he says see this was god and this was man okay and now you see what has happened god has disappeared leaving the man over here so only the man is walking and god is no longer there in that picture so he is just making fun of his friend so his friend says no no nothing like that you see what happened was there were two people walking one was god and one was man and when there came a point when the man became very tired and this one set of footsteps shows that god carried the man in in his arms so this is how the believers believe this is what is called faith the faith comes from this point so you need to have faith the the disbeliever was very clear in his approach what did he say oh god left this man so those who are skeptics those who don't believe those are atheists and all they will always say that god is never there with us whereas the believers need to have 100% faith in the divine there is no need of trying to test and find out please understand the testing part only comes about when your faith is not there at all okay so we'll continue with the story this is uh, verse 31 now his name is hari kanoba yes when his name was hari kanoba he set out on the journey from bombay with friends in order to test sai for himself but sai who illumines the heart of all can the skill and the uniqueness of his art be understood with certainty by anyone as hari bau set out for shirdi sai samarth knew the reason that he had the fondness only for miracles and that that was all his worth so he was given a taste of only that and was won over heart and soul thus his effort too was made fruitful truly how skilled contrivers are these saints hari bau sat in a tonga at kopargaon along with his friends and also after taking a bath in the godavari started for shirdi at once on arriving from kopargaon hari bau went for his wash uh, to wash his hands and feet immediately and set out to see the saint feet shod in brand new footwear and a jerry embroidered turban on the head hari bau eagerly came to sai baba's darshan as they approached the mosque seeing sai from a distance he felt like going nearer and prostrating before him in obedience but the new footwear posed a problem now tell me something how many of us actually go through this whole thing you know this is also a very big human problem okay so let us see what the problem is but the new footwear posed a problem for there was no safe place to keep finally finding a corner there he just shoved them in 
you know what we do when you visit the temples you know in churches and all though you can walk with the footwear inside but if you visit a temple you normally have to remove the footwear out so the first thing is we search for a place where we can hide the chapels you know hide those uh, uh, footwear somewhere close and then we'll cover it up with somebody else's and all so that nobody finds it but it's a very common practice in most of the temples that the footwear normally disappears <laughs> so we always go with the old footwear to the temples so that nobody takes it you know this is also a very great practice with hindus so <laughs> so so he went up for darshan he made obeisance at sai's feet very lovingly and came back on receiving the udhi prasad to return to the vada but as he looked about for his footwear he just could not find it search as he may with a sad face he returned barefoot having abandoned all hope for too many people were coming and going there all the time who could he ask he just could not think his mind grew restless and agitated the lost footwear kept coming before the eyes and the mind was continuously plagued by the thought of that footwear all the concentration focused on that one object this is exactly how concentration gets focused on one single object you will find that we are so much engrossed in this one particular object uh, you know those who have gone for a movie with the kids if it is a boring film or if it is a film which the kids don't want to they are just waiting for the interval when the interval is <laughs> they'll run out for the popcorn they dad 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 i want popcorn i want ice cream i want this i want that their focus is only one and as we grow up also our focus also becomes exactly the same you go anywhere our focus is in completely different direction because our mind you know if it is not there in one particular subject then we are focused in that one particular thing especially marriages i don't know if those who attend marriages their focus is always in the kitchen or basically where they have the food you know aaj kya bad raha hai wahan pe we are always so much engrossed in aaj khane mein kya hai how many payasams are there and what kind of things are there you know it's just like that so so this way we are always attracted towards this kind of thing they always take the upper space of our mind you know always thinking about those kind of things all right you should try this one day <laughs> suppose by chance okay by chance you are wearing a, a shirt or something like that and it has a stain and somebody points out to you you know oh there is a stain over here you know the whole day till you don't get back home you are worried the stain is there <laughs> or imagine at the end of the day Uh, i mean uh, this was this was a very funny experience which happened and uh, i mean it was there also in a film where the person gives a very fantastic lecture and he keeps on making gestures and this and that and and everybody is silent over there in that entire though he is making such a big noise and all that everybody is silent over there and he is wondering what is it that i have not given proper speech or what so finally when the speech is over and he is just walking off the dais one woman comes to him and says you know sir you are you have you are unzipped so <laughs> you should you should have taken care of that and people were afraid to talk to you 
It's the same thing, you know, my whole satsang will be over and I won't even know people are there or not there or there. <laughs> something like that. So it is like one single pointed focus and the entire audience is looking at something else whereas he is trying to become very okay, okay, okay. Think about it, how funny that situation might have been. So, oh how fondly, with what eagerness it was brought. Gone, gone, indeed is the footwear completely lost. No doubt some thief must have stolen it, he felt certain. However, he then took a bath and after the puja, naivedya, etc., he sat down along with the others for a meal. But in the mind, there is no feeling of satisfaction. Sabamandap is Sai's place. Who could have taken away my footwear, escaping Sai's notice so completely? Is this such a small wonder? You know, we always think like this. We come to the temple, we come to the church or we come to the place of worship and we say, you should take care of things, you know. <laughs> In uh, one of the instances where uh, Ramakrishna Paramahansa, or um, <clears throat> I think it's a story of Vivekananda, if I'm not mistaken. I don't recollect the story fully well. Now, <clears throat> somebody has robbed the you know, jewels from the, <laughs> from the murti okay, of the god. So the person comes and asks him, what is this? Your God God can't take care of his own jewels or what? Somebody had to come and rob them. (laughs) So, so, Ramakrishna Ji says, why will the God be interested in trinkets? For him, he has got this whole universe full of all the jewels he wants. Why should he be bothered with some little trinkets that somebody has taken? says he is not bothered you don't bother about all these trinkets you bother only about <laughs> the divine so this is how we are we are always bothered about such kind of things here also he is saying the same thing why Sai Baba can't take care of my chapels or what think you are actually thinking like this I am going to Sai Baba's place and here Sai Baba can't even take care of my chapels in his place somebody comes and robs how strange this is not a done thing so <laughs> So, is this any small wonder? Uneasiness, regrets filled his mind and he had no relish for food and drink. He came out with others to wash his hands. Suddenly, a Maratha boy appeared there quite unexpectedly, holding aloft a stick at the end of which, like a flag, was his lost footwear. Having finished the meal, people were just washing their hands. When the boy came searching and said, Baba has sent me with this stick in my hand and saying, My child, Go aloud crying, Hari ka beta, jari ka feta. Hari ka beta, jari ka feta. That is, Hari is the name, the son of Kanoba, with a gold embroidered turban. That means he was, feta, feta is the one that you tie on top of your head, you know. Okay. And to him, who will cling to you eagerly saying this, these are my very own, you give these to them, to him. But first it must be ensured, that he is Hari ka beta and then as a jari turban and only then you should give it in the end without making much noise about it earlier. On hearing this cry and recognizing the footwear by looking <coughs> at it, Hari Bhav rushed forward much astonished in his mind. Tears of joy sprang in his eyes. Hari Bhav's throat choked with emotion. On seeing the lost footwear, he was simply amazed. He said to the boy, come. Oh, come here, let me see, bring those sandals to me. Having, uh, I'll explain the line to you. Having carefully examined them, he said, Where did you find this? Tell me quickly. 
and quite frankly the boy said that i do not know i have to obey baba's command he who is harika beta has to show me his jari jarika feta you know we, it is not harika beta <laughs> there is a funny part over here. it is not harika beta uh, we always say na hey iska beta like you know it's it's like a very derogatory way of talking are kya bolta hai tu you know like a, a very derogatory way of talking सो ये हरी के बेटे क्या समझते हो लाइक दैट सो इट वॉज अ हरी का बेटा इट वॉज लाइक दैट सो ओनली टू हिम विल गिव विल आई गिव द सैंडल्स आई डो नॉट रिकग्नाइज एनी बडी एल्स बट ही हू कन्विंसिज मी अबाउट द मार्क इंडिकेटेड बाय बाबा ही अलोन विल टेक द सैंडल्स हरी भाव सेट माई चाइल्ड दे आर बट माइंड बट द बॉय वुड नॉट गिव सो ही कन्विंस द बॉय ऑल द मार्क्स इंडिकेटेड बाय बाबा सी आई एम हरी ओनली एंड ही सेट ओ चाइल्ड आई एम हरी द सन ऑफ कानोबा and the words are absolutely true which apply to me perfectly now look at my jerry turban and the doubt in your mind will be resolved and it will be proved that the sandals belong to me no one else can have any claim on these ultimately the boy was convinced and gave the sandals to hari bhav his wish was fulfilled and he experienced for himself that sai was a saint imagine how such a stupid thing and yet you want proof of hari ka beta oh is the voice breaking every now and then having this kind of uh, you know like i need proof i need proof you are real i need proof you are a saint i need proof that your god is there this is showing distrust this showing basically you are not even trusting the divine lord you are not even trusting that so it is not like it's not like going to the market and saying ye tomato kitne ka and thinking that it's it's not good it's not like that you are not going to a market to buy this kind of thing Losing your cool, Harika, beta, Jarika, feta. It's like Harika, beta, my pagdi. You know, like I say, pagdi. <coughs> so, okay, coming back to this. So, uh, finally, he got his uh, chapels. But when I was totally in different place, and this is my very first trip to Shirdi. How did Sai Baba know my name to be Hari? Kanoba, my father, has not even been seen by anyone <coughs> here. But when he has referred by the letter Ka, I am greatly surprised. Earlier, when my friends told me of the greatness of the Saint Sai, I disregarded their words. But now I shall regret it. And now, when I have the experience myself, I know the power of Sai Baba. There is no room for any doubt that Sri Sri the Sri Sai is a great Mahatma. At the ha at the as the faith in the heart so was haribau's experience to test the saint was his keen fond desire in he had no desire for spiritual gains friends and relatives had narrated their experiences as to so <clears throat> as the faith in the heart so was haribau's experience to test the saint was his keen fond desire and he had no desire for spiritual gains friends and relatives had related this experience as to how sai samarth was a great mahatma and to see the wonder to experience it himself was the reason for his going to shirdi to surrender yourself heart and soul at the saint's feet and thus to reach god had never been the keen desire in his mind in the least how far can the can the reach of a shamelian go if i am again having a problem just tell me when he wanted to go 
to a saint's door only to see miracles the last pair of his brand new sandals came back delivered at home or else by losing a trivial thing like a pair of sandals what great loss could have been incurred but since his mind became restless and wearied for them it could not be calmed down until they were found uh, uh, am, am i on hmm? what i can't see anybody else i hope okay there are two ways of gaining the favors of saints one is devotion and the other is jnana but the effort of jnana marga are arduous while the means of devotion are easy uh, this is this requires a certain explanation so i will just see what happens is what is the need for a person to reach a gurukul or a place of worship or maybe meet a guru what is the need for that you will understand that the need for that is to get some spiritual knowledge isn't it hello so in this case what happens is there are two things which we normally go to meet a saint for first is to get spiritual knowledge the spiritual knowledge can come in the form of texts which we do uh, like say for example we may do some very serious texts like the upanishads or the vedas or some sort of shastras and so on and so forth where there are explanations offered in a satsang now that is the jnan mark where the person sits and dissects everything but while dissecting everything what happens is we get into what is called an egotist state a state of egotism where the moment you start understanding what is happening the moment you understand a verse the moment you understand a particular textbook ego comes into the play and jnana is always qualified by egotism so it is an extremely difficult path where the ego needs to be keep kept outside you cannot have your ego in front of the sage because at the end of the day the sage has much more knowledge see ours human being knowledge is an acquired knowledge we acquire we take from outside and jnani is a person who acquires knowledge actually two things happen in jnana one is a self effulgent knowledge that is already inside the person which is basically like a swayambhu it comes on its own the moment the sage says certain things the person starts listening and understanding now that happens to a person who has already reached the stage where he has come from the domain of that particular of that particular sage so a, per- a person who comes from the domain of a particular sage he is able to understand this verse very very immediately so this is swayambhu it comes from within it is just a re- revision or maybe just a revival of what is already existing inside of you that is one the second one is you are acquiring jnana the acquisition happens like how the parasmani is there when the parasmani is rubbed against any metal the metal turns into gold isn't it now think about it the gold cannot turn itself into something else you get the point the gold is turned into gold it is that that particular metal piece is turned into gold because of the parasmani what is the parasmani the parasmani is the sage the sage has touched him so he has turned into gold so he has got an acquired knowledge he is not turned into parasmani you got the point he is not turned into parasmani at all so this is the second part in this so a jnani 
who has acquired this particular tendency this particular thing like becoming gold or become getting knowledgeable is an acquired knowledge it is not his own it is as if he has got from somewhere else and this is where the person starts becoming very very egoistic in nature i know i understand you don't have to teach me and this is where soon it leads to that kind of a situation so first one is the gnani and the second one is a bhakt a bhakt is a person who is only full of devotion he is not interested in anything no gnana he may sit for a satsang but hardly anything goes in his head he is just listening he is just looking looking at the divine and he is smiling away or his tears are streaming down his face something or the other is happening there is no way of knowing what is happening as somebody sings songs he also wants to sing songs somebody is dancing he also wants to dance it's a state of stupor it's a state where you don't understand why things are happening okay so this is bhakti and bhakti is far far more superior because bhakti doesn't allow ego to come in the way understand this bhakti is you are focused in love and devotion only with that divine so there is no question of any ego coming anywhere in the picture but whereas gnana is concerned that the ego starts rising very very fast so you will find that that is the reason why this verse says there are two ways of gaining knowledge of gaining the favors of saints one is devotion and the other is gnana but the efforts of the gnan marg are arduous but while the means of devotion are very very easy those who are devotee of the lord for them it is like this it's very very quick you don't have to do anything you just have to be lost in the divine don't bother about anything okay but then if devotion is so easily attainable why do not all follow that path because even there one needs the wealth of the greatest fortune only then can it be attained what is this good fortune good fortune means good luck isn't it what is that good luck called it is called grace absolutely right it is called grace has to be on you you can't be sitting over there with ego over there you know as a devotee the grace is descending on the person the person is completely melting in the grace of this divine so only when the guru's grace descends on the person can devotion become very very strong so then understand this verse but then if devotion is so easily attainable why do not all follow that path everybody cannot follow the path of devotion also why if the grace is not there how can you follow that path so because even there one needs the wealth of the greatest good fortune only then it can be attained only when the merit of crores of birth is accumulated will one meet the saint and it is only then that one enjoys the happiness of the company of saints which fosters devotion it is after many 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 lives in you know, a thousands and thousands and thousands of life that a person attains to this great thing which is called devotion it he has he has literally you know worked his way upwards and upwards and upwards so that finally this wealth of this greatest fortune has come to him it's only then then one enjoys the happiness of the company of saints which fosters devotion to be in the company of saints is so very important we know only the worldly life 
there alone is our attachment and we know not how to liberate ourselves from it where such is the inclination of the mind can it be called devotion in our material world we are so much engrossed aaj khana kya banane ka kal kahan jaane wale hain parso ye hone you know we are so much involved in our day to day life how many liters of milk you have bought this has happened that has happened you know how many things we bother our head about you you see the daily thing you know okay the person who uh, takes the electricity bill he has not come we have to follow him every day isn't it something new so every day we are always entrapped in this material world either we are running after somebody or we are running after something so in such a case in this worldly life attachments these are the attachments in our day to day life it is either with a human being a person an animal or whatever or it is with some object two things we are attached to these two things so we do not know how to liberate ourselves where such is an inclination of the mind can it be called devotion when you have this kind of inclination where there are too many things happening around in your world devotion doesn't come in as is our devotion so is our gain and this is sure to happen at any time here there is no sli- no slightest doubt whichever way you proceed in devotional path that is how you will get it back you remember every time the way i have told you what you give is what you will get isn't it so here also in devotion if you give devotion to this divine you will get devotion back in return you will get the fruits of it all for the enjoyment of sensual pleasures by day and by night we have gathered near sai and so for us the gift is also of the same kind but to the spiritual seekers remember there are two kinds of people one is the material minded person who has gone over there to ask for something or the other i want this i want that you know all that list of things to take from there this list of things is always our material worldly stuff i want a child i want a husband i want good marks i want god knows what all i want money i want all these things that is the one kind and the second one is called the one who wants the spiritual gains what is the spiritual gains but to the spiritual gains the gain is also spiritual and now about one more swami called somdev who came personally to shirdi to put sai to test in the year 1906 the man who was staying at the dharmashala in uttarkashi near bhaiji the famous bhaiji was the brother of the well known late shri dikshit he met swami ji on the way while on a pilgrimage to badrikedar badrikedar was left behind when bhaiji got down on the way as he wandered from place to place he came across resting place where he found some traveler sitting one man among them later became famous as swami from hardwar and he came under the influence of baba this is the most instructive story about him which will clarify baba's nature give pleasure to the listeners and happiness to all so we are going to start one more story about somdev and what actually happened with him as bhai ji was going for his modern morning ablutions he met the swami ji on the way and casual conversation with each other both felt a certain mutual affinity the region of this meeting is below gangotri you know we have all these dhams over there in north india and then we have gangotri yamunotri and all those places so here he was meeting this gentleman in this place called gangotri that there while swami ji was at a place called uttarkashi which is 140 kilometers from dehradun this meeting place took place 
this meeting took place. A metal water pot in hand, Bua had set out to go to morning for toilet in the open. Bhaiji too was going to the same place for the same purpose. First they just looked at each other, later as they met again, on their way they happily conversed about each other's well-being etc. But as they were talking, a certain friendship sprang between them, leading to their inquiries about their respective places of residence. You live in Haridwa, we at Nagpur. If at any time you happen to come to that site, do visit us. It's a very no- normal thing when we meet people on the, you know, somewhere. We always exchange our, this thing, oh, where, where do you stay, what's your name, this, that. And then we say, no, it's a very casual talk that we do and we tell the person, oh, you come to my house now, when you are in Nagpur, you please come to my house. So it's the same thing which happened when these two gentlemen met over there. If at that time you happen to come on that side, do visit us. When you are on a pilgrimage, please sanctify our home by giving darshan. Once again, and allow us to serve you a little. You know, remember he was a Swamiji. So naturally, those who meet these kind of holy, holy people, like you know, wearing orange clothes and all that, naturally it is our duty, can please Swamiji Sarji and please come whenever you are there on our side of the town. So we normally extend courtesies. And we say, please come and stay with us. Such was the conversation that took place between them in the year 1906 below Uttarkashi. Both asked each other's address and having now come to the open ground, both parted from each other. Five years passed by. At the appointed time for Swamiji's meeting, with Sai approached. Swami felt a strong urge to meet Bhaiji. And so in the year 1911, Swamiji came to Nagpur and on hearing the sacred story of Sainath, felt very happy. After Bhaiji had given a letter of introduction and made arrangements for his reaching the Holy Shirdi comfortably, Swami left Nagpur. When he got down at Manmad, the train from Kopargaon was already there. On getting into the Tonga there, he happily set out for Sai Baba's darshan. Whatever, wherever you may go, the sadhu are always different, one from another, in their conduct, the way of life. Nowhere it's the same. The conduct and behavior of one saint is never the standard for another saint and this is no means of summarizing at what is proper and what is not. See, in, a, in the normal world also, you cannot use your yardstick, the same yardstick for everybody. Everybody is different. Even in our material world also, every human being is different, isn't it? One person is different than the other. So also in the spiritual world, the Swamiji's and the Babaji's, they are all different, different kinds. They all have different types of things to talk about, expound on or be. Somebody will take up Ramayana, somebody will take up Mahabharata, someone else will talk about uh, Bhagavad Gita, somebody else will do something else, somebody will only tell you about prayers. Depends. So everybody's way of looking at things from the same. They are not the same, they are all different. The conduct and behavior of one saint is never to be the standard for the another saint and there is no means of summarizing about what is proper and what is not. And first of all, why should a person going for darshan bother about all this? If you were to sit in judgment over the conduct, he would only get cheated on his own will. But Swamiji's nature was such that his mind was always clouded with doubts and misconceptions. On seeing the flags at Shirdi from a distance, Swamiji's mind was assailed with doubts. The moment you get to see something which is not in your normal way of looking at life. It is like some Swamiji's are wearing orchid clothes, some of them may be wearing white clothes and some of them may be naked for all you know. Some of them may have just put ash on their body or some of them may be wearing very fancy clothes. How do you know that they are Swamiji's and all? So we all make judgments, no? Achha, ye aadmi aisa aur wo aadmi aisa. So exactly the same thing happened when this Swamiji was nearing this place. He saw all those fancy flags over there. 
you know, on top of that masjid and all, every on top of that temples over there, all fancy flags were fluttering over there. Naturally, the moment you see these kind of things, it puts a person off. So this is what happened to this person. On seeing the flags, at Shirdi from a distance, Swamiji's mind was assailed with doubts. People who were with him lovingly made obeisance as soon as the flags on the spires came in sight. Although the heart was eager for Sai's darshan, they would not come later, but he would not bear to disregard the flag he saw. That the sight of the flag stirs a great love from within is the experience everywhere, for it's a sign of loving devotion. There is nothing unusual about it, but in Swami's wild mind, doubt after doubt arose on seeing the flag from a distance. Strange indeed was the makeup of this mind. Oh, is this any sign of being a sadhu, that there should be such a fondness for banner? That the flag has to be put up on a temple is really a blot on saintliness. For a sadhu to ask for respect in this way is really indicative of his hankering about honor and fame. The saintlessness of such has no appeal in the mind. Actually, this is their deficiency. Now, this is something I have to explain. See, what happens is, even in our normal world, when the sage, when in our normal world, if somebody criticizes you, any person who criticizes you, and says, oh, you are not doing this, or you are not doing that properly. What happens to the human mind? Immediately it sees the downside in life. It says, oh, I am not worthy enough, I cannot make proper food, I am not good, I am not this, I am not that. You know, we always look on the downside first. Because this is how we are always made. We have never looked up. We have never seen the bright side of that. We always see the downside. And the downside is always seen, what is written over here, is always seen by the vile mind. The vile means a horrible mind. A mind which is full of filth will always see the downside. Especially where the sages are concerned. If the sage tells you, why is it you can't do this kind of a thing? The moment this thing is done, the person says, oh, he is insulting me, he is calling me names, he is saying this kind of things, he is saying that kind of things. Tell me, in the material world there is always a motivation. The motivation for the one who is criticizing you. There is always a motivation for the person or no. And this particular person who is motivated will always say things so that he can pull you down or he can get something out of it. It's like your boss, but your boss will come and say, oh, come on, you should have done this and delivered it. So what happens to the person? Person immediately feels bad, you know. Oh, my boss is firing me. What is the boss's motivation? The boss's motivation to get the work done. Number one. Number two, he has to earn his salary. You also have to earn your salary. So basically, if you don't perform as per these requirements, what happens? He is losing his salary. He is losing his commission. He is losing whatever that is there. Tell me where is the sage or a saint is concerned. What is it that he is losing? He is losing nothing. So it's a non-motivated criticism. Non-motivated criticism. What is the basic motivation in that? The motivation is to make you rise, not to put you down. So always remember this. Whenever the saints, sages criticize you and they say certain words to you, always use them as a stepping stone for rising higher in this world. They are telling you things so that you can rise higher and you can become stronger in your world. They are not telling you for any selfish reasons. They are selfless, like Padma is written. They are selfless. They are not bothered about what you are giving them. They are not bothered about how much hundi mein paisa dal rahe hai, unko kya bol rahe hai, bohut achhe hai, and you are the greatest sage on earth. 
They are least bothered about it. They are sages. They are saints. They don't bother about their own clothes. What are they bothered about getting a name for themselves? They are least bothered. So what happens? The material world is always a motivated statement. In the in the spiritual world, the spiritual guru is always motivated by making you rise above, not to put you down. But his way of talking or his way of working is always like this. If you recollect in the Bhagavad Gita, how many times has Arjuna been told things? If you don't do this, you are going to you will going to go to the greatest of the hells. If you don't do that, this is what is going to happen to you. You are going to become a blot in the name of blah blah blah. So many things Krishna has told him. Arjuna can easily say, na, yeah, I am the worst creature on earth. What am I to do? I am not worthy enough. I will leave this Dhanusya band over here and I will go away. Maybe I will go and see the evening picture. What? What is this? I mean, think about it, Arjuna talking like this. I am not interested in the examination. I will run away. And that is not the reason why Krishna is telling him you should put your arrow and bow and arrow down. He is just egging him, you know. He is deliberately doing, he is putting chabi like, you know, very strongly. And he says, come on, come on, get up, get up, get up. Go, 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 go and do your job. If you do your job, you are going to be a winner. You are not going to be a loser. There is no losses over there. It's only gain. End of it. Understand, Krishna has already delivered the whole thing, okay? He has already killed all those people. What are you doing? You are just play acting. You are just lifting up one arrow. One, two, three, four. Eh, la mardia. You know, that is all that you are doing. <laughs> Basically, the whole scene has been enacted way in advance. It's already been enacted and you are just going and doing your job. So, think about it. When the sage is talking, he is actually doing it so that you can rise above and do the delivery of that particular thing. There is a verse where he's, uh, Sri Krishna says, you know, he says, see if you don't do it, my Maya is going to do it. He's, she is going to make you do it. I know I am speaking in Hindi. <laughs> he doesn't speak like that. He says, my nature, your inherent nature is going to make you do those same things. So you think that you can avoid it. Huh? Okay. Try avoiding job. तुमको क्या करने का पूरा गांव भर के है ना पूरा गांव घूम के वापस वहीं पे आना पड़ेगा I was talking to Brito in the morning I was telling him you know how many false starts we have had since 2013 2013 we have had six false starts January we started, March again we started, June again we came up, September we came up, end of the year we came up, again we came up in Jan or Feb, and again now we are starting all over again. It's six false starts. We are thinking, Abhi kabhi chalu hoega? I'm always waiting. On your mark, get set, and the gun is clogged. Sir, 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 my, my lace is come off. And they say, again. They say, okay, okay. Now on your mark, get set. No, sir, one minute, sir, I have to go to the loop. Can you imagine this stupid thing which keeps on happening? False starts after false starts after false starts. But think about it. You know the universe is working in one direction only. You think this is not going to happen? You can come up with as many explanations as you want. Finally where you are going to go, you have to come back to the same place where you started. Isn't it? So what is the point in avoiding? Okay sir, I am going to lift my bow and arrow and shoot. Okay, if my laces come up, so what? 
I will run without the lace on only. <laughs> so it is like that. So understand this. There is no point. There is no point in arguments. There is no point in saying, you know, I am the greatest, uh, you know, Arjuna in this world. I cannot kill my own people. Sorry, you, you have to go and kill them. They are your own people. You think like that. <laughs> it's not like that. So this is a very, very important lesson which we have to understand. End of the day, nothing is in your hands. Got the point? Kitna bhi magaj mari karo, kitna bhi mata fodik karo. Everything is in super boss's hands. And at the end of the day, he has put one, you know, one rope in your nose, you know. You think you are, you are driving the whole thing. You are like a bull with a rope in the nose. So finally what he does, he is just going to pull it someday. And he says, chal, chal, chal. And then you have to go ahead. <laughs> so it is like that. So coming back to our story. I think we have reached literally at the end of it. So what I will do is I will stop over here. And uh, we will take on from there next time. Alright?